Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the program this week, we pick the brains of several All Blacks hopefuls as coach Steve Hansen mulls over the selection of his first All Blacks squad of the year. We speak to the dejected Breakers basketball star Tom Abercrombie, who's been ruled out of the Tall Blacks' final Olympic qualifying campaign. We talk to key New Zealand Rugby World Cup 2011 figure Therese Walsh after her appointment as the head of New Zealand for the ICC Cricket World Cup in 2015. And we chat with the Warriors and Kiwis rugby league prop Ben Mutt Tulino as the Auckland club enter the make-or-break phase of the 2012 NRL season. Steve Hansen's first all-black squad of the year is not far away from being named for the three-test series against Ireland. 35 of the country's top players have been involved in camps in recent weeks and that will be trimmed to 30 for the Irish series, although there is a chance Hansen will call in a couple of players who weren't involved in the camp. It's been a challenging time for the new players, in particular getting used to the all-black way of life and finding out what is expected. They've also had to rub shoulders with some of the game's best and also with players they're still battling with in the Super Rugby competition. Barry Guy spoke with Crusaders fullback Israel Dagg, Highlanders halfback Aaron Smith and Highlanders hooker Andrew Hoare during the training camp this week. Firstly, he asked Dagg about what he's got from the camps. Oh, we're just um, all coming in and, and kind of learning the raps. You know, we've got a, quite a new, uh, new faces here, so everyone's just getting a feel for what, what happens in here. And, and um, yeah, it's been good. Just um, you know, new coaches, new, new structures, so just everyone's getting used to that. Is that is that good? You know, say compared to last year, which was a heavy year, I suppose. But what's it like this year? The feeling? Oh, it's a good feeling. Um, you know, just new ideas and you got yeah, new faces and just um, yeah, everything's looking good and you know, everyone's really excited and just uh, yeah, it's, it's getting closer and closer every day. It's, I imagine it was a bit tense sort of last year starting off the season. Is there a sort of feeling of relaxation? Or not, you know, I don't want to go that far, but, you, you know. Uh, you know, it's in history, teams after the World Cup haven't done so well and, and we don't want to be like that, so we're trying to not get too complacent and um, yeah, everyone's just you know, fairly re- like, you know, relaxed about it, but um, we can't get yeah, too complacent because we don't want to be that team after the World Cup that uh, doesn't start too well and... So we're trying to do everything we can. Fullback last year, you know, perhaps you were behind Mills, but I mean you're the n- seen as perhaps the number one. So there's some guys sort of uh, obviously that are in some good form at the moment. Yeah, oh, I'm not number one at all. Um, you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can. I can only control what I do, and you know, there's some outstanding players out there like you said, and they're playing extremely well, and you know, I can't control what they do as well. I just got to do what I do, and um, hopefully that's good enough to get their black jersey. Highlanders halfback Aaron Smith has had an outstanding Super Rugby season, keeping Jimmy Cowan on the bench. 22-year-old Smith has certainly been impressed by the camp. It's a bit of a dream, you know, sort of rubbing shoulders with people that you sort of watched over the years, and I'm just still really buzzing out about being here, sort of thing, and it's sort of a dream come true. But yeah, like it's only the squad, so I'm not trying to get too excited about anything, but uh, definitely like to be in this environment a bit more. Is it a bit more what you were expecting? 
Yeah, and more, and it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, just the whole level of another step up from Super Rugby, you know, everything's here and everything you need to do the best. And the coaches, the management, the physios and everything are just doing their best to try to help you get the best out of you. So it's a pretty good feeling. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I just hope to maybe get opportunities like this again. Do you feel um, competition in the squad for places in that first, you know, test match squad proper to be named soon? Yeah, obviously it's sort of a whole nother step up from say what I'm like age group stuff I've sort of done and you know age group stuff and that you sort of win and you had to be confident about making the team and that but uh, I'm just trying to like it's sort of a bit of a weird format obviously it's just a training camp and like I said you can do I'm just trying to do all the little things right off the field and on the field and getting my body right to really play well against Crusaders obviously in the weekend it was the Blues so this week it's the Crusaders and if I can I, I say it's all about what you do on the field as well so if I can get the little things done right off the field hopefully the performance comes well and yeah that's all, that's all, I, that's all I can sort of do and if I can play well Saturday then, or Friday sorry this week then uh, yeah I've hopefully done all I can to show the coaches that pick me pick me <laughs> Does it feel a little bit head down bums up just to try and get noticed at the moment too? Oh you can I suppose you don't want to be like too out there otherwise you look like you're trying too hard so just like I said, trying to do the little things, doing everything they say, doing sucking it all in, taking the notes when it's take the notes and do your homework and yeah, I just don't want to sort of sort of miss a beat or anything. So just trying to, like I said, obviously doing a lot of homework on the Crusaders because that's what the main thing is, getting a win there for the Highlanders first. And if I'm lucky enough to be looking forward to Ireland, then I'll let that happen when it happens. If it does, if it doesn't, then I'll just focus on trying to keep getting wins with the Landers. We've had three younger sort of halfbacks come on this year. What, what do you think that is, perhaps? I, I suppose uh, I was in the first year of that 20s team, and that 20s tournament's really good, and you get exposure to some really good coaches, you know, like Dave Rennie and sort of stuff like that. And obviously, that's just a real good kickstart. And obviously, all the academy work that was started on a few years ago about building academies in little regions, obviously, has been out of, say, for one or two. I'm from one or two, for instance. and you get a shot from anywhere, you don't have to go to the big centres to try cricket and yet it's not like a the player pool's a lot it's a lot more spread now, which is good and it gives all the other unions a shot for players like us to come through and I'm really happy that uh didn't have to be a big fish in a little pond sort of thing. You know, you can be a big fish in a little pond, sorry, so it's good to come from one or two and be able to re- um, represent that sort of thing and I think that just gives everyone an opportunity and if you're in your academies in your local provinces you get a shot at twenties and if you, get, if you get in the 20s, you're, just, you're on the sort of national stage and then hopefully push for higher honours. So I found, I think that's a lot of things with the halfbacks from the last three or four years of slowly coming through now and it's all coming through at once, which is a bit of a bugger. <laughs> 33-year-old veteran hooker Andrew Hall will be one of the first names read out by Hanson, but he says he never takes it for granted. No, not at all. You've got to uh, get out there and obviously that's what Super Rugby's all about, isn't it? Play, play as good as you can and try and get into this team and you see some of the young fellas coming along, the Dan Coles and that are playing pretty good footy as well. So to be here is always a thrill and uh, hopefully Kevin and I can, can hold him there for another couple of years and uh, keep fighting for that starting spot. Because you were the starter and then I think you hurt, what did you hurt, your elbow or your shoulder or something and then Kev sort of got the nudge on you? Yeah, well he started, I've started so it's, uh, it's been pretty much like that the whole time and that's, uh, I think it's a great strength of the All Blacks really. There's, uh, there's plenty of fighting for each, each position there, so Kevin and I are good mates on and off the field, and uh, it makes it a lot easier when you, when the guy you, that's really pushing you hard, or you're pushing hard, him hard, you can have a chat to him after training, you don't have to sort of run away from him, so he's, uh, he's probably one of the nicest guys in rugby, and it's not too hard to be, be one or two when he's around. 
Steve Hansen's said that he's looking for a hooker under 30. So what does that say about you know a hooker and you know, the longevity and the experience that you obviously bring into the side? Yeah, I know. I suppose obviously Kevin and I are getting pretty well into our 30s and stuff. And if you the big picture come World Cup time, you want to get some young guys going. And that's all the strength of the All Blacks as we come along. And Anton Oliver still helped us out. So the older boys got to pass on their knowledge. You know it's changed where the, you used to sit there and not tell anyone anything and keep everything a secret but the whole thing and the All Blacks is that we help each other out and if a young fella can come along we can help him out it's, uh, we're doing our bit. Is it a pressure obviously situation line out through and that sort of thing that you think the senior guys uh, you know you're sort of <laughs> grasping that? Yeah I think we all still feel the pressure on the line outs and that it's just you know how to, how to get here and I suppose how to conduct yourself you know a lot of times a lot of All Blacks come in and out and they make mistakes on the way and then you come back in it's uh, about staying here and doing things well. Andrew, how much longer do you think you've got as a rugby player? That's all up to the coaches, mate. So uh, I'm still uh, keen enough and uh, things are going pretty well. And if I can hold, hold my form together and uh, the coaches keep picking me, well, I'll uh, keep going. And then the old man's not barking too loudly about going home to the farm, so we'll see how I go here. All Blacks coach Steve Hansen is likely to go with all his experienced players when he names that squad for Ireland. But there should be some spots for a couple of newcomers. This is Barry Guy. Injuries not only forced breakers forward Tom Abercrombie out of the New Zealand basketball team's last chance Olympic qualifier, but is also likely to deny him an opportunity to break into the NBA. Abercrombie's withdrawn from the Tall Black squad for July's Olympic tournament in Venezuela because of an ongoing ankle injury. It's also all but ended his plan to play in the NBA Summer League in July. The 24-year-old's withdrawal is yet another setback for the Tall Blacks, who've now lost their best two players to injury with the Spain based guard Kirk Penny also ruled out. Abercrombie suffered the injury during the semi-finals of the Australian National Basketball League but x-rays failed to reveal the chipped bone. With the injury not healing properly he went for an MRI scan last week which has revealed the problem and he now requires surgery which will keep him off court for up to eight weeks. Stephen Hewson spoke to a dejected Abercrombie about the setback, how it affects his dream of playing in the NBA and just how big a blow it is to the Tall Blacks Olympic chances. Tony got the scan done, the MRI, last week, uh, which revealed the bone chip in the ankle. And started training and things again, and things just went progressing um, like I thought they should or like I'd hoped um, and, and thought something else might be wrong there, um, which is why we got the scan done. Uh, and it's obviously showing up um, some more damage than we thought was there, so uh, it's something that needs to be taken care of at some stage, and for me it's something that I want to get um, taken care of it as quickly as possible so I can move on and, and get back to my best. How much thought did you give to not having the operation now and, and trying to play in the tournament? You know, I thought about it, but um, at the end of the day, I would have been out there and, and, and not giving the team my very best, and um, I, I felt like I wouldn't have been able to do myself justice and do the team justice by being out there and not being um, at my best, and that context I felt it was better to get this done you know, as quickly as possible so that um, I can get back to 100% and um, you know, be able to contribute to whatever comes next in the best possible way and uh, you know, it's, a, it's a tough call because obviously it's a, it's a big year and um, we're trying to push to qualify for the Olympics so um, you know, it's a difficult decision but at the end of the day uh, you know, I've got to take care of my body and, and make sure that I'm as good as I can be. A tough decision to make by the sound of it, but but one that sounds as though it was still reasonably straightforward. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day for me, I um, my body is how I um, make my living, and um, you know, I'm a basketball player, and I want that to be um, you know as best as it possibly can be, and 
um, you know, having something like that uh, floating around in there and causing me discomfort and um, not being able to do my job properly, you know, that didn't sit very comfortably with me and it's something that would have to be done at some stage and it's probably just going to get worse by playing on it. So taking all that into account, um, I wanted to do it as soon as possible and move on. You had some scans done at the time, didn't you, when you had that injury in the, in the semi-final. Did that simply not show up the situation? No, we had uh, x-rays and um, ultrasounds done, but no MRI at the time, so they didn't show anything and only the, the MRI um, at the last week uh, was able to show the, the chip uh, in there. So, yeah, it's, it's only been a, a quite a recent thing. Had that shown up at the time, what would that have meant for you during the, the ANBL finals? <laughs> um, you know, who knows? I, I'm sure I would have just played through it and, and got it um, taken care of um, straight afterwards. So, um, yeah, it is what it is, and the timing is what it is, and um, can't change it too much now, so we just got to deal with it. There's obviously a few injury concerns in the Tall Blacks, yourself and obviously Kirk Penny as well. Quite, quite a blow to making it to London for the side. Absolutely. Um, you, know, it's, it's, you never want to, to go into something like this in this situation, but um, you know, these things happen and it just means that other guys are going to have to step up now and take on a bit more responsibility within the team. Um, some of the younger guys are going to get a chance to come in and, and show what they're capable of at, at this level and um, you know, I'm confident that they, they've got what it takes still to, to get the job done. It's not going to be easy, but um, you know, the Torbacks have always been known for punching above their weight and they'll relish the underdog tag even more now. Were you planning to, to play anywhere else in the intervening time? Um, yeah, we did have some things lined up for the NBA Summer League, so obviously that um, puts that into a bit of jeopardy as well. We'll just have to wait and see how that recovers. Um, obviously, you don't want to go into something like that not being 100%. First impressions are, are massive and anything like that, and been going over to that and not being at my very best. Um, we'll get uh, found out pretty quick, I think, so um, I'll make sure I'm, I'm back to 100% before I give anything like that a go. So did you have a team lined up, or was it simply trials? Uh, no, I had, no, I had um, some options lined up, so um, yeah, it's unfortunate that it won't, probably won't happen now, but we'll just have to wait and see. Who were they with? Oh, there's a few teams, so I can't say exactly. My agent takes care of all that stuff, and he organises all that and talks to all the teams and um, and does that organising. So um, you know, for me, it was just really about sitting back and, and seeing what he came up with, and um, obviously he's... Things have changed a little bit for him, so he'll he'll um, you know do his job and uh, and try and organise something different. The 14th of July they start; they run for a couple of weeks, so you know, there's still a bit of time till then. So we'll just have to see how the recovery goes. You're not completely ruling it out, and it's obviously a factor in deciding to to go with the operation now. Yeah, I haven't really um, thought about it too much. I'm just waiting and seeing how this goes first as the first step, and then um, I'll focus on that. Um, obviously, those plans have taken a little bit of a backseat. Um, at the moment, the, the, the only goal right now is to get this done and um, get back to back to normal. And then however quickly that takes, I'll be able to reassess things and um, see what comes from there. When do you think you have to make up your mind as to, to whether you hit the States or not? I'm not sure what the, the timing will be on that. And obviously, you know, when the tournament starts on the 14th of July, so um, obviously I'll, I want to be back uh, well before then so I can get ready for that. Um, like I said, you first impressions are massive at these things and you want to be at your very best so um, I'll only be doing it if I'm, I'm back to that level Tom Abercrombie speaking to Stephen Hewson. The Tall Blacks will assemble in Auckland on June the 13th to begin their preparations for the 12-team Olympic qualifying tournament which will determine which nations fill the final three spots in the London draw
And this is Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. A key figure in New Zealand's 2011 Rugby World Cup has been appointed head of New Zealand for the ICC Cricket World Cup in 2015, which will be jointly hosted by Australia and New Zealand. Therese Walsh was Chief Operating Officer for Rugby New Zealand 2011, the organisation responsible for delivering last year's Rugby World Cup. Walsh, who's 40, has also worked for the New Zealand Rugby Union and is on the board of New Zealand Cricket. Stephen Hewson asked her what attracted her to the cricket role and about operating in a male-dominated domain. The critical thing was that New Zealand has, hadn't really hosted something quite of the scale of Rugby World Cup before and so we learnt a lot along the way. It's actually really complex running a large sporting event, a large international sporting event. So I was very keen probably from a personal perspective to make sure that some of those people and some of that capability was transferred and that New Zealand didn't lose um, some of that capability and have to start from scratch. So there's a real transition of skills and it was a natural thing one after the other really. So it's the event per se, maybe not the sport? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, um, I have an interest in cricket, but the reality is World Cups, World Global Sporting Events are are things that capture people's imagination even if they're not involved or interested in the sport on a day-to-day basis. So it's the way it sort of can cut through um, the population that really interests me. How passionate are you about sport? Well, I'm like most Kiwis, I've been brought up with sport. I've been um, woken up in the middle of the night when I was a kid to watch watch uh, rugby matches. Um, my brothers played cricket. Um, my father watched every cricket match going. So, you know, it's, it's in my blood, and I think all Kiwis are like that. However, I'm not an obsessive sporting fan event by any extent, and um, I think sometimes that's really helpful when you work in sport because... Sometimes you need a bit of objectivity and you need people to stand back um, from that and, and, and bring some of that to the table. So I think that's where I can add some add some skills. Are there moments that spring to mind that you can think about with on occasions like that? That that objectivity, like you say, it gives you it removes you maybe a step or two. It does. I, I mean, I think there's lots of examples along the way. Um, you know, when we were looking at allocating rugby world cup matches, it was about sort of thinking more from a you know population demographic and some of those things that that perhaps were added into the mix at, um, as opposed to just where you know um, somebody who was really passionate thought a game should go. So there's there's lots of examples like that um, at, that that happen along the way, and um, I think it's just keeping your business head on as well as your as your passionate fan head. Did you see yourself coming into this type of role? I mean, you've obviously got quite a sporting background administrative-wise now, mm. the, the, mm. the NZRU, the Rugby World Cup, you're a director of New Zealand Cricket, and, yes. and now the Cricket World Cup. Yes, <laughs> it's been quite a journey. Um, I, I think that I started with the New Zealand Rugby Union um, as their chief financial officer, and largely the attraction for me was that you know rugby was an exciting sport, and 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 it, it cut through a lot of you know for a lot of Kiwis it captured their imagination. So it was exciting to be involved. I didn't realise I'd be involved in sport for this long, um, but one thing has led to another. Um, quite literally, um, I got involved in the bid for Rugby World Cup, and um, I would have to say that was one of the most exciting days of my life, winning the right to host Rugby World Cup, and. Um, and obviously we delivered, and, and as I said before, really great to deliver again and to just really reinforce New Zealand's capability in that regard. So, no, it wasn't something I set out to do, but it's something that has naturally evolved, and um, and I must say I've had a great time doing it. There's not too many women in no. top sports administration. Do you mm. see yourself as a trailblazer? Um, a little bit. Um, I remember the, the first time um, I presented at the NZRU's AGM, and that was the first time I think they'd had a woman presenting, and... 
Uh, somebody wrote in the papers the next day that wasn't it an interesting coincidence there was a woman presenting and the voting slips were pink. So, you know, people have created little anecdotes along the way. Um, I think it is great for women to be involved in all aspects of life, sport, business, wherever. And, um, you know, diversity is important. And diversity in sport, I think people are seeing that more and more. And um, it's interesting, though, most of the organisations I've worked in, there's been a 50-50 split of women and men, really, roughly. Uh, it's just the leadership roles that sometimes are a little bit left behind. But I think that is changing. And so, yes, I'm really excited to be sort of at the forefront of that. Because, I mean, if you look at rugby, you'd see that as the complete male bastion mm. when it comes to New Zealand, man New mm. Zealand sport. Mm. How, how did you cope in that environment? Um, well, I mean, everyone treated me very, very well, um, is, is the first thing to say. And, um, and, and in fact, probably <laughs> slightly better because I was a woman and they were make, taking great care to make sure that um, I was comfortable in the environment. I mean, obviously, um, there, there are more men than women that play that play rugby, so it is it is slightly more male-centric. But um, I just found I was treated very, very well. I found that after a while, like any workplace, you forget whether you're a woman or a man. You just know everyone by their name, and they're just the individual with their skills. And you forget about all of that after a while, very quickly, in fact. And um, and you just go about what your, your job. Was that maybe easier at? HQ, but in the provinces, what was the reaction to you? I mean, did you have to cope with sexism? No, not at all. I can't think of any um, of any examples of sexism. I, I would only say that um, people were very respectful, and, and, and by that I think a few times in the beginning when I would walk into a room, people the, the, the men would stand up or open a door for me, and so sort of a sexism in reverse, if you like, you know, being really respectful of, of women participating at that level. Um, but over time that goes away as well because you get more used to it and you don't want to stand up every time someone walks in the room because it becomes tiring. So they didn't expect you to bring a plate as well? No, they didn't. In fact, I always made it very clear that if somebody was going to do that, it wouldn't be me, just just to make sure that wasn't enforced. <laughs> so your view on the, on the glass ceiling, does um, it exist? Well, I think, I, think, I think when people talk about the glass ceiling, um, for women I actually think there are heightened opportunities given that everyone's trying to strive for diversity. No one wants to be in a position where they say, oh, you know, we don't, we don't allow women to operate at a senior level in our organisation. So I think, in fact, there's a really good environment at the moment for women to, to achieve. And um, I certainly haven't come across a glass ceiling. I've certainly been presented with a range of great opportunities over a long time and, and, and a lot of my advocates or people that have supported me in my career are male, are, are men and, and they've been fantastic to me. So um, I personally haven't come across it. I know people talk about it a lot and I think it's a mindset thing. You know, people just need to, particularly women, just need to say, you know, I want to get involved and, and, and go and grab that opportunity and, and seek support. The future, do you, do you see yourself staying in this sort of line or, or do you have or what are your goals for the future is there a particular area that you would like to see yourself move into um i think that i see myself operating um operating now in the broader entertainment industry it's about engaging people engaging their their hearts and minds like we did with rugby world cup and so i think being involved in things of national significance is important to me. That doesn't necessarily have to be sport. I've spent a lot of time working in the international aid sector as well. So it's things that are important to society, really, I guess, is um, what I would strive to be involved in in a leadership capacity. And um, But you'd, you'd like to think that um, my sporting background um, will probably, hopefully, have a role in the future as well. You know, there may be other opportunities that come after this.
That's Therese Walsh, the head of the New Zealand arm of the Cricket World Cup 2015, talking to Stephen Hewson. The Warriors are back in National Rugby League action after the bye with an unenviable task, tackling the table-topping Melbourne Storm on Sunday. But at least the Warriors are the home team this time out, and they'll also be missing the player who arguably cost them in the earlier fixture, the erratic utility Krishnan Inu. Inu had a shocker against the Storm on Anzac Day, dropping a ball cold that led to the go-ahead try for the home side. The 18-point losing margin didn't really reflect how tight the game was, and that game probably sealed Inu exit from the Auckland club. He joined the Bulldogs last week and went on to star on debut against the Roosters on Monday night. Inu scored two tries, setting up a third with an amazing aerial assist and also kicked three goals. The Warriors prop Ben Matulino was suitably impressed by his former teammate when Richard Wayne went along to training the next day. He spoke to Big Ben after a pool recovery session. Yeah, watched um, all of it. I thought it was well, I mean... Uh, he's that type of player, you know, that can um, create something out of nothing and uh, as you seen it last night, he did. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, here he was getting bagged here and let go and suddenly he shows up with an absolute blinder. I mean, is it just wanting to prove people wrong or is it just a good day for him? I don't know. I mean, uh, probably he trained well during the week and then that sort of reflects how he played on Monday night and that's sort of what happened. So I don't know. Maybe he's probably, you know, just trying to prove people wrong as well. So could be a whole lot of factors. It's uh, curious a player like that, he seems so brilliant at times, you know, others not. I mean, maybe it takes a dumping like that to really fire him up. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing his interview after the game and he said he needed a little, you know, knock to the head to sort of wake himself up. And uh, I think that move to Bulldogs will do him well. I mean, he's a talented player and I always look forward to seeing him play in the NRL jersey. So it's good that he's played for uh, Bulldogs. And uh, coming up, the Storm, obviously, massive game, top of the table, pretty much no chinks in their armour. I guess you just got to do what you know, you've been doing so well yourself this season and just get that rumble going up the middle. Yeah, I mean, all i got to do is just go forward and tackle, so it's pretty much my job. My job is pretty simple. With them. Same as the other boys in the middle as well, so hopefully we can dominate them and you know, come out with the win. You must be pretty pleased with your form this season. I mean, you'd be one of the, the best going around. Ah, uh, it's all right, man. I sort of don't buy into it. I mean, um, as long as I'm doing my job for the team, then you know, the coach will be happy and I'll be happy, so it's all right. The coach was saying one of the keys to beating the Storm could be stopping their sort of set-piece ball, you know, keeping your ball and, and, and maybe throwing it around a bit rather than, uh, you know, letting them just get resets and penalties and, you know, just starting off static ball. What, what do you reckon about that? Yeah, I think he's spot on. I mean, most of the game, most of the time when we played Storm has been with one that up the middle and gone over their forwards. So, um, you know, our flashy backs can sort of finish it off. And, you know, if we stick to that, like we did the other time we played them, but for the whole 80 minutes or something, then, you know, We'll come out with the win and um, saying that Nick Amal our D on our goal line wasn't too um, good as well. I mean, although Chris had fumbled those balls, we were pretty disappointed in our own goal line defence. So, you know, that's something we've got to fix and, you know, something we've got to, you know, get some respect back in. Yeah, it's just a couple of little things like that. The same with the Tigers, wasn't it? Just a couple of mistakes, you know, you, you probably should have won that one. And, and with the storm, like you say, is maybe just a few minutes. So you're, you're really right up there. It's just a matter of putting the whole 80 together, like you said. Yeah, I mean, yes, we can say the same against the Tigers. I mean, started second half, they scored two quick tries off kicks, and, you know, they weren't really um, focusing around then. And there's some lapses in times of games where we uh, sort of switch off, and, you know, we've been trying to figure out what's going on around then and what the mood's like, so... I think um, we're pretty close on uh, fixing that and most of it's just communication and uh, some communication breakdowns on the field but hopefully we can fix it this week. Finally, you guys are really one of the only teams who can actually rattle the Storm's cage, it seems. You know, you're actually perhaps a bogey team for them even. You, you seem to have their number. What do you think it is that the Warriors line up so well against the Storm? I think it's just because we like playing the Storm and, you know, I think we'll gain some respect from them as well. 
I always feel sorry for the Storm. I mean, because they're always at the top of the table and every team always aims up to play against them. So they've got to put their best foot forward. Whenever we play them, we always put our best foot forward as well. I mean, something we need to work on because we can't just always wait till Storm come around and then, you know, try to play our best footy. We've got to do what we can work out. Ben Matulino speaking to Richard Wayne. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radioNZ.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website, while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.